Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Think of all the hearts beating in the world at the same time. Think of all the faces telling stories of our lives at the same Hello everybody, Jazz A's online editor Matt Micucci here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call The Jazz A's Podcast, and it's brought to you in conjunction with Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Multi-platinum selling singer-songwriter Anne Hampton Calloway has penned in and around 250 songs, including hits for seven of Barbara Streisand's recordings and the iconic theme song for the hit TV show The Nanny. Her compositions have also been performed by such artists as Liza Minnelli, Michael Feinstein and Carole King, and the Cole Porter estate officially recognizes her as the only composer to have collaborated with Cole Porter, having set her music to his posthumously discovered lyric, I gaze in your eyes. So it is a little surprising that her latest album, Finding Beauty Originals Volume 1, is her first recording of all original material, an all-star affair uniting her with such esteemed guests as Kurt Elling, Tierney Sutton, Melissa Manchester and more. In this Jazz's podcast conversation, we speak with the artist about what she has defined as her most personal project and what she described in our interview as the fulfillment of a long-standing ambition. So fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. This is the Jazz's podcast. There is no Hello, Anne. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hey, Matt. It's a great pleasure to be with you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Yes, we are recording this interview uh, on the 3rd of January. So it is the new year. Uh, so, and what a great way to start. Like I was telling you before I started the recording, I, I, I've got a touch of flu. So it <laughs> might explain my voice a little bit, but it's great to be speaking with you and I'm looking forward to it. Now, one of the things that we do here at the podcast is to break the proverbial ice. I like to begin my conversations by just asking the artists I speak with to share a memory with me from early life or childhood of when they may distinctly remember a moment uh, when they awaken to the beauty and power of music. Maybe, you know, it's one of those memories that when you think back to it, you realize maybe that's when I also started thinking that I would love to pursue uh, a life and a career in music, you know? So do you have one such memory or a moment like that that you could share with us? Well, Matt, there are so many. There's a kaleidoscope of memories from my childhood because I grew up in a very musical family. Uh, my mother was a singer and a pianist and a, a voice teacher, and uh, my dad was a huge jazz lover, uh, even though his profession was being a journalist. But um, So I remember my mother sitting me on her lap and at the piano and putting my little tiny hands on the keys, and, and I just remember seeing her and thinking, that's what I want to do. 
And, and then I remember Ella Fitzgerald playing on the turntable and learning how to scat with her and feeling like I had a friend and I didn't know who she was, but she sounded friendly. And my dad scat sang as he was working on his work for CBS. And it was um, <clears throat> a very rich childhood of musical inspiration. The turntable was full of the great singers and instrumentalists of our time. And I remember being taken to my first concert and Ray Charles was uh, at the Westbury Music Fair when we moved to New York. And what an electrifying, thrilling presence he had. He just gave his whole soul to the music. And I I never remembered feeling that way about any experience in my life. That was one of those aha moments. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like I was born as a singer and I was born as an artist. And everywhere I turned was something that I could relate to because I was in this rich world of writing and music and thinking and literature. And um, I just always wanted to find a way to be who I was through music. It's, it's hard to pick one memory, but that's a great question. And I probably will come up with a perfect answer after this conversation. <laughs> But, but you said some things that really uh, have inspired other questions that I may get to ask you throughout this conversation. One of them, of course, is that, uh, you know, you said that you were born to be a singer, something along those lines, but you're also known as an acclaimed composer. And so at what point in your life did you begin writing songs? Well, my dad gave me a rhyming dictionary when I was 10, and I got a guitar for Christmas. And I also remember wanting to be the fifth Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I um, have been sharing sort of the birth of my true devotion to the idea of, be, of me needing to be a songwriter. When I received Carol King's Tapestry, when I bought it at this record store in Riverdale in the Bronx in New York, there was something about the spirit of the music and, and how personal she was and how warm and engaging and the songs just I've related to each one of them. I, I listened to the entire record when I got home after spending my allowance money on this record. And I just walked out into the living room and said, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to sing and write songs and, and tell my story and move people the way this incredible woman has. And then a few months later, I discovered Joni Mitchell. And so these are my two main wake-up calls. Uh, and I was 12 or 13 and... It was, uh, so I immediately started writing songs, uh, and I kept a journal and I wrote poems and I t still write poems to this day. I wrote, uh, a poem every day from 2020 to 20, the end of 2021. So th these women, uh, along with people like, you know, I mean, the songwriting really came from, from those, that period of the 70s where suddenly people were telling personal stories. But I love the great American songbook. I love George Gershwin. I heard George Gershwin on, on a drive back from a vacation from, with our family and, and the Rhapsody in Blue was playing as, as the skyline of Chicago was unfolding before me and tears were streaming down my face. And I thought to myself, I wanted I want to make music that is that moving and, and touch people. I was just awestruck by the power of th those, those beautiful notes and how could the notes make you feel so much? Um, so there have been so many um, wake up calls as a, as a songwriter and 
they come from different sources. I remember the first song I ever fell in love with was when uh, once a year in in uh, America there was the viewing of The Wizard of Oz. And Harold Arlen is now one of my favorite songwriters. Um, he's just uh, just socks me in the gut every time I get to sing or hear his music. But when I heard and watched Judy Garland sing Over the Rainbow, and I felt I felt the power of a song to to feel so personal. And this girl was was kind of lonely and sad and trying to dream of something new. And I I just recognized the power of the marriage between singing and a great song at a very, very young age. And I just knew that it was something that I needed to do. And I also used to make up fake Beethoven because I was a terrible piano student. So I would just write all this music to express my deep emotions as a child. And it was pretty funny. Yes. So, you know, I come, I come from all angles to who I am today. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned uh, some of the songwriters that you, or composers that you admire. You, of course, have celebrated them with, with projects and recordings of your own. But when it came to writing your own music, and I'm thinking particularly of the words, do you feel like it coincided? You know, you talked about wanting to move people, but did it also coincide with uh, a desire to express your own self? Oh, absolutely. And to make sense out of my own self and to make sense out of my relationship with the world. It was a profound experience growing up with a dad who brought, as a journalist, he was a, first started out on radio and then went into television and also wrote books and just an extraordinary, brilliant man, one of the best in the business, not as famous as some other journalists. But his stories at the dinner table of what he saw and what he experienced and what he was trying to make sense out of in wars and the civil rights movement and and all kinds of serious issues that were impacting trying to make sense out of a, making this world a better place. And there was just, I continue to have that same mindset of, okay, well, the world is my family. I feel this is a very important part of who I am. How do I contribute to that? And I, I always from my father, I'm mindful of the power of an artist to be also a citizen. And as you see on my new CD, Finding Beauty, Originals Volume 1, there's an interesting balance between love songs and songs of the heart and then songs that relate to things like peace on earth and those, those dreams we still try to dream and make sense out of. And how do we take a world that is is really in, in very serious dire straits and, and try to uplift the vibration, open minds, open hearts, and make an impact. And so I've been an idealist and a dreamer and a person who felt that the power of music is so extraordinary to bring people together. The only way people will stop being racist and stop being haters is if they open their hearts. You can't have a closed mind if you have an open heart. You can't rush spring No matter how you try A bud knows when to bloom A bird knows when to fly Although your eager heart may long to see The blossoms on a cherry tree The winter needs her time to say goodbye 
The track you are hearing is You Can't Rush Spring from Finding Beauty Originals Volume 1 by Anne Hampton Calloway, a track featuring one of the special guests on the record, Tierney Sutton. The album is available now on Shanity Entertainment and we'll resume our conversation with the artist in a moment. But first, I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz A's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz A's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz A's, jazzays.com and these Jazz A's podcasts. Go to jazzays.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. But now, back to our conversation with Anne Hampton Calloway. Your songs, of course, have been performed by so many great artists. You know, uh, they're so renowned. But what may seem surprising, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I read this uh, about Finding Beauty Originals Volume 1. It's that it's your first recording of all original material. Is this, can this be true? I know, it's hard to believe. Um, it's it's very interesting. If I If I try to examine why that is the case, I mean, a lot of it is that and I was never gifted with a person who believed in me, you know, as a singer-songwriter in the way that people believed in me as a singer of the Great American Songbook or jazz standards. And so my life has been a lot about my most successful and highest paying um, things that I've achieved are from songwriting, ironically. The Nanny, the, the TV series The Nanny is, was an explosive hit. It's still playing all over the world. It's um, on CNN. They said it was uh, the most. Don Lemon said something like it was the most significant TV theme of the 20th century, which I don't agree with. But um, but, but I, it's I got, feel it's like, got, if I can say something, about it, it's got to be close because it's global. I mean, everybody uh, all over the world has heard it at least once. It makes me sure. really happy that I had that effect. But I I think because people didn't trust that I wasn't well known enough to sell my own songs. They, you need to sing familiar songs. And so, so I snuck on my own songs on various projects that had a theme that I could sneak in my songwriting. But, you know, writing, I've had three platinum hits for Barbara Streisand and they've been on seven of her CDs. And she's to me, one of the greatest singers in the world. And so that's an incredible achievement and an honor, but it seemed like a very, like I wasn't bringing the worlds together and no, no one who had had a record company and wanted to sign me was as entranced by the idea of me going and departing from this, this pattern that I started. You know, when I think back to Joni Mitchell, she only sang her songs, but she started at the beginning only singing her songs and then snuck on some standards later on, like twisted and her beautiful both sites now uh, album with Vince Mendoza. So I'm kind of going around things backwards and it's never too late to have a dream come true. It was 40 years in the making. And I'm so grateful that a woman named Deborah Martini believed in me and said, yes, I want to underwrite this. This needs to happen. And so the response as I, you know, share the CD and, and I'm starting to do concerts around the country and, and in uh, Europe, um, this response has been enormous. And people say they actually like my songs the best in my shows, which is, 
I think I've always been shy. It's a vulnerable feeling to share your own music. And I've just decided, you know, after the pandemic and my bucket list was staring me in the face, just do what really is the most personal and tell your own story. Show the world through your eyes. Um, Take people on a ride on your wings. And this is the life I've lived. I've had a very rich life and I love writing and I love singing and bringing my passions together is making me very happy. That's absolutely great to hear. It was interesting to also hear you mention that, you know, after the pandemic uh, period, the pandemic lockdowns, of course, very dramatic all over the world. uh, Then, you know, your bucket list was staring you in the face. And that's when you decided, yeah, I, I need to do this, you know, maybe. It kind of, you know, inspired you to do this. But I would love to know more about the the songs in in this album. And also, you know, part of the title is Volume 1. So is there a Volume 2, 3, <laughs> 4 that yes, you already Yes, there is a Volume 2. I will probably start beginning it on, in the near future. Um, Deborah Martini has said to me that when I want to start it, I can. And um I have the most insane touring schedule of my life. I have almost no time to breathe or relax or do anything. So it'll be interesting to see how this happens. But they say the best way to get something done is to give it to a busy person. So, yes, um, a lot of, of this album was based on a friendship I've had for since the mid-90s with Trey Henry, a brilliant multi-Grammy-nominated bass player, arranger, and wonderful human being. And I approached him because I loved when I was singing with Tierney Sutton, who he has been playing for in the Tierney Sutton band all these years. I said, I just love your arranging. And would you try to arrange this new song I wrote called Look for the Love? And he had just teamed up with a man named Paul Viapiano, who's the principal guitarist of the L.A. Philharmonic brilliant, wonderful man. And so they arranged the song and it was so exquisite and it sort of married the the many sides of the music I love. It sort of married a little hint of jazz, a little hint of classical, a little hint of pop. And, and it all brought strings of my tapestry together in a way that really resonated with me. So I said, well, let's do another single. And we started, we made a plan to make several singles which turned into this album. And so I never let anyone arrange my songs. I'm always at least the co-arranger of all my music. And what he and Paul brought to the songs, and they we chose them together, and they needed to, to you know, agree that they could bring something new and fresh to the songs that I, I gave them to th- consider. And it started to be sort of a picture of life, and it started to be... Also, a sort of a a musical hug for a very disturbing time. And so I chose songs from the beginning of my life, my first love, to my love of my life, to various parts of, of and pieces of the facets of, of what I care about most. And a lot of it is, is sort of um, lovingly sharing what I've learned. And so I love how Trey and Paul brought fresh life into these songs that I didn't, I didn't know what it, they should sound like. And, and so I was so happily surprised every time they came up with, you know, the sketch of how do we tell this story? And then the relationship of our friendship was deepened by 
these recordings to the point that one day Trey Henry called me up and said, this is the best pandemic ever because <laughs> we were really having fun during a very difficult time. You know, when you when you say that, you know, some of these songs are from, you know, from from a few years ago, you know, you're revisiting them. So musically, what does that entail? Is there any example, you know, for the listener who has not heard the record yet of how uh, of what it was like to kind of go back and revisit these songs? And, you know, also personally, what was it like to do that? What was that process like? Well, I will tell you, the, the, the song that surprised me the most on the record was uh, a song that I wrote with um, Lena Horne in mind. She was uh, getting ready to do her last record, and I was on the QE2, <clears throat> and I tried to imagine, like, if I was getting towards the later part of my life, what would I need to say? And so out came this song called You Can't Rush Spring, and sort of looking at life and and, you know, patiently advising oneself that things you dream of won't necessarily come true right away, but they will come in their own time, just like nature does. And when I recorded it on my second solo CD called Bring Back Romance, it was a beautiful bossa nova. But Trey Henry is such a genius. He took this song and there is this powerful sense of the world is encased in ice and will anything ever, you know, melt? Will there, will we see a trickle of hope? Will there, will it be something that starts to begin? And I told Trey how much I love singing with Tierney when we were doing our movie shows across the country. So we teamed up and he wrote an arrangement for Tierney and me to use the sort of vocalese style we like to sing together. And this, I feel like this song needs to be in a movie the way he recorded it. So it's a striking contrast from a solo, a gentle bossa nova that lovingly tells, you know, a tale of, of learning to almost like a, an entire soulscape of human experience. And I, I'm just blown away by what he did with that song. And I do hope it will be in a film someday, like the opening credits. And you go, what is going on here? <laughs> it has so much mystery and depth. And um, the last song on the album was called Perfect. And I was dared by my partner at the time to write a song in 20 minutes. And I did. And the song predicted that we our relationship was over before I knew it. But it still has a certain, an embrace of a, an important person in my life. And it's nice to be able to say thank you to someone who meant so much to me and still celebrate on the same CD the person who has brought me the most happiness. So it's nice to be able to look back at what I used to feel and sing it from a, a mature point of view of gratitude that, yes, my heart was broken. Yes, I was very disappointed. But um, thank you for everything we shared kind of feeling. Yeah, there's that that personal side to the album. Uh, musically, it's also uh, stunning. Uh, you know, you've got some great musicians, great guests, you know, some great guests offering some excellent contributions to it all. So it's great that also there's going to be more. Like you said, uh, there'll be a volume mm -hmm. two uh, coming soon and uh, we will watch this space. I, I you know, again, we're, this is the third of uh, January when we're recording this. You you mentioned uh, that you will have an intense uh, touring schedule coming up. Anybody kind of interested in, in knowing more about it? You know, keeping up with all of the dates. What's the best way for them to keep up? Well, um, there are several ways to keep up with me. If you uh, 
subscribe to my website, anhamptoncalloway.com. You'll get all kinds of updates. You'll find, you'll see my tour schedule. You can see new um, videos and uh, interesting projects and learn more about uh, the, the CDs that I make. And uh, also I'm on all social media and I'm a very friendly diva on Facebook and um, X and Instagram. And if you subscribe to me on Bands in Town or some of those, um, you know, those kinds of, there's so many of them now. I'm, a, I'm also all over Spotify. I have all kinds of wonderful things uh, there and try to keep good touch with my Spotify fans, which are growing every day. So, um, and, you know, if you really were interested in writing to me, I, you, can, you can get my email address on my website. and just says contact Anne, and, and I'm, a, I'm a person who's accessible to the people who care about my music. Well, that's wonderful. And Anne, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Matt. Exactly who we are Every creature on this earth The moon and every star hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anne Hampton Calloway and I remind you that her new album Finding Beauty Originals Volume 1 is available now and if you love jazz and vinyl be sure to check out our Jazz Is Vinyl Club join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition colour vinyl albums mailed directly to you just go to jazzis.com and click on join vinyl club for more Anna's music from Finding Beauty Originals Volume 1 by Anne Hampton Calloway plays us out, specifically Love and Let Love featuring Kurt Elling. I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Ace podcasts, our print magazine and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website jazzaise.com and if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCoochie signing off. See you soon. <laughs>